Fucking for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay, and there's no time, Pete. We have to get this going. We we bit off more than we could chew. We did it again. Yeah. Roads? <laughs> we're going. We won't need roads. <laughs> well, actually, where we're going, we actually do need friends. Yeah. Colleagues, peers, hockey people. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what we have going on here. So yeah, maybe maybe some today, sort Peter? of a maybe some sort of a road map. We could use that. Oh, like like a like a like, like a, a like, a, like a journey. Yeah, yeah, like a like a preview of like <laughs> something that's happening. Oh man, I'm glad we had this talk live. And yeah, totally didn't. Remember this. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's been about a minute. I don't know if it's been a short minute or a long minute, which is something that's funny only to to the two of us and to our, our two guests. Um, but we are I'm going to leave it in anyway. Joining us today for our draft extravaganza, we have uh, two returning guests. Um, we have Dylan Galloway from Future Considerations and then we have Will from his website, Scouching. So, uh, guys, how are you doing today? Solid. Yeah, really good. Awesome. And then just so just for our listeners, uh, so Will was the first person speaking there, and then uh, Dylan was the second person. So sometimes when you have uh, you know four people on, and you know it can be a little bit tough to tell who's talking. Um, so there you go. Um, all right, hey Jay. Actually, do we, do we have yeah? Do we have to institute the walkie-talkie rule? What do you like mean? every? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Over. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were talking about something else, and I wish I was wrong. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Well, either way, you, you, you were going to say something serious before I decided to hijack everything with stupid jokes. Go well, ahead. I mean, that, that is our brand, so. Um, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so even though uh, we've had uh, you know both of these guys on before, um, it's it's been a while, and you know we know that not everybody listens to every episode. Um, you know I always try to remember that you know every episode is somebody's first episode. Uh, so let's just do like a little quick introduction, uh, you know, to who you are, what you do, kind of how you got into uh, what you're doing, and then we'll jump right into actual you know uh, actual draft stuff. So uh, Dylan, uh, I introduced you first before, so uh, so let's go with you what's you know what's your basic background in you know what's yeah. your deal man what's your deal um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i started uh scouting um about five years ago with a uh, a small boutique agency called pacific four sports um, i've since moved on from them and i now work for uh future considerations um and i do uh head scouting for them i run eastern canada um but i cover the ohl specifically um, and I did some video work as well. Nice. Awesome. And, uh, Will, what about you? Yeah. So I've kind of been off and on in the sort of drafting world, uh, on my own for a few years now, sort of independent. Uh, but this year I booted up, uh, turned it into sort of an industrial scale kind of operation. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, you know, I, I post charts as they say, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so you know, it's it's taken another gear this year. Uh, you know, I've in the I have my actual background in hockey. I have a kinesiology degree uh, from here, McMaster University, in research and stats. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, I've worked with you know in the OJHL, you know, assisting with management and NCAA stuff around there. Um, but really, I've recently just sort of really turned on the jets for sort of draft analysis and 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 actually digging into video this year so we're getting we're evolving uh finance through patreon on my own uh which has been you know a success which is great peter is a supporter which i'm always appreciative of uh so yeah it's it's been going pretty well well now that we have our returning champions uh reintroduce themselves to our our our, uh, wonderful nation Nay, global audience. Um, let's uh, let's actually start talking about draft things. So, as of this recording, it's uh, three o'clock Eastern on Saturday, June eighth. Uh, my first real question to you guys is: uh, How much is uh, is is left to figure out where everybody's landing? Uh, I know the most recent bit of news, and Peter informed me before this, was that uh, a, a draft prospect. According to Mr. Corey Promen, Mr. Peyton Krebs has torn his Achilles. So I don't know if that's a ripple effect that's going to affect where everybody's at right now. But in in either, you know, feel free to whoever raise your hand and, and go first. But in terms of where everybody's at with projection, is there really anything left for anybody to move up or down? Or is this pretty much just a, hey, review the tape and then just can the 21st just happen already? <laughs> I, I can go first. Um, for me, on, on my end, we've already launched our uh, our draft guide, so we already have our rankings and all of that good stuff kind of set in stone. Um, the the combine, you know, already already occurred, and everybody's kind of settled into place. But if you ask me, any given day, my rankings will my personal rankings will change. Um, and uh, just kind of based on gut feeling and kind of going over in my head, you know, certain things about certain players. But in general, for me um, and and for future considerations, everything is kind of wrapped up in a bow. Oh, I thought you said wrapped up in a bout, and that was going to be the end of your sentence. Uh, <laughs> sorry, no, wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree for the most part. I think. Uh, you know, you never really know what goes on behind the scenes with individual teams. You know, for example, the Red Wings could be doing last-minute interviews and and maybe flying a guy in for a tour or whatever. I don't know what goes on there. But uh, I think in general, like, there's no more hockey left to be played. They've done the combine. Uh, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, you kind of know, you at least know what you're getting in these players, I think, by now. Uh, you know, maybe there's some last-minute uh, like I said, interviews, maybe some last minute video work, but from at least from my perspective, like I'm pretty locked in with how I feel about these guys. And I would imagine that, uh, that, that the actual teams are as well. Yeah. So, um, so Will, you mentioned the combine. Um, so I'm going to ask you specifically about that. And then after that, Dylan, if you know, if you want to follow up, uh, go for it. One of the things I'm always interested in is, um, the question of like how, how much value teams put on the the combine? Like, I mean, it seems like 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 there could be, um, you know, extreme situations. Like, say somebody just 
you know, has a really bad performance or, you know, I mean, I I don't think that this would actually happen, but just hypothetically, like they come in for the interview and they're completely unprepared and unprofessional. They just like make it seem like they just do not care, Um, you know, that that could you know, likely affect if that team is is thinking about drafting them, you know, you, you would imagine that they would be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but it, it kind of seems like up until that point, like, you know, the, the teams have watched these players play so much um, and they have so much information that it kind of seem, it, it seems from an outsider perspective that it, like the combine wouldn't really have that much importance as much as it kind of seems to like the play it seems to get in the media so so you know so what do you think about that do you think do you think that the combine has a has you know more of an effect than than uh it's kind of portrayed as or less or or what do you think well all i know is my personal opinion uh i think some of the physical testing you know from my background i feel like some of the actual testing is good or much better than others where you can now, uh, you know, not only gauge where, you know, where a player is today, um, you know, and kind of what you're working with, with certain physical traits, you know, like obviously it's good to know how tall a player actually is relative to how their team lists them. That's, that's a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's important for the, for the league to do. But when it comes to like the physical testing, you know, it's good to know what a player's VO2 max is. Uh, just because of, you know, you know how hard that player can, can push their body, right? Like, I think that that does have some level of value, but I, I don't put a lot of emphasis on that. I think the interviews are really interesting. And, and I think, especially when you get into the first round, you know, the, 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 the margin to me between the quality of player once you, in, in this year specifically, once you get past like 12 or 13, certainly past the lottery, you're looking at, who is going to be a good fit in your development system and who's going to be a good fit for the way that your team wants to play hockey and, you know, down the line. Right. I think that's where the importance comes because you could have a fantastic hockey player. uh, But if they don't, you know, if they don't fit in with how you develop players, then that could send them on the wrong path right away, which is kind of what you don't want. And that's up to the organization. Uh, But there are obviously physical things like grip strength where I just sit there and go, why are you even bothering? Like this has very little to do with, with pretty much anything, uh, you know, it, it, and again, it, it depends on how the player plays on the ice. Like I think Jaden Struble came first in like five categories and it's like, well, what does that add? Right? Like, you know, he's in great physical shape, but when you look at him on the ice, you know, I like Jaden Struble certainly, but does it really bump him up a tremendous amount? Maybe to some teams it might, I, I certainly wouldn't put too much into it though. Well, I mean, you never know, like, you know, with all these, uh, you know, all the hubbub over the uh, the officiating and, you know, people looking for rule changes. I mean, if they change the Stanley Cup final to just American Ninja Warrior, then grip strength could be true. You know, he, he might win the con Smythe. That's true. That, <laughs> yeah. You never know what the NHL will come up with next to get fans interested. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Dylan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree with Will there. Um, I think a lot of the uh, the physical stuff um, is kind of just trying to push the player to like their their max and see you know where they break a little bit just to kind of get that you know scientific um you know numbers on on where that max is um but will has a much better insight to his background on on the physical stuff i think for me i'd be more interested in the in the interview side of it and the mental aspect um really getting to know a player um from that perspective seeing you know if you can push them a little bit um, during the interview to 
keep their calm or um, snap or you know what 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 they um, you know what their breaking point is mentally. Um, there's a few players in this draft. Um, uh, one of them is uh, uh, Kaliev, where his his numbers are you know through the roof. Um, but you want to know kind of if he has the mental ability to push through some of the challenges with his skating and compete. Um, and I think that's a really good area to um, find all that stuff out. So I think I've asked a version of this question to maybe both of you when you were both previously on, but, you know, now that we're once again in the draft area, I, I feel like it's, you know, like it makes sense to like ask it, you know, but uh, when it comes to the type of skills that players are, are, are showcasing, like, do you, have you guys noticed a trend about something that's like a common common thread of like, oh, if this player has this, he's automatically like in my like my best of tier. Like, is it is it you know is it, is it hockey IQ, strength, skating, stick handling? You know, have you noticed any sort of like through line between? You know, you, you know, and it doesn't even have to be restricted with this draft class. You know, even with the last couple of years, um, you know, what 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 have we? You know, have we noticed like? Is there any just go to thing like? Oh, well, the things we've noticed is that most of the top tier players they've had this skill. So, I being more analytically inclined, I look at results and then where those results come from. So. You know, I, you see a lot of guys who have great numbers, but they never work out or guys with terrible numbers and they end up working out. So it's kind of good to understand where that comes from or guys who don't stand out on the score sheet, but are ranked extremely highly like like Vasily Petkolzin this year. Uh, but when you really start digging in and looking, you start to see reasons why those things might might happen and whether or not you want to take the risk on those kinds of cases. But for me in general, I look at results and go from there. So what I'm looking for specifically in a player is you know, if I'm building a team, how do I want my team to play in the NHL? You know, I like a team that plays with a lot of speed and a lot of, you know, responsible passing play, you know, not a lot of individual sort of work your way up the ice on your own type of play. I think that you need to be successful as a whole unit and not just rely on, you know, individuals, even if you might have extremely talented individuals. And I think the rarity of certain skill sets uh, is, is something that I look for, especially in the first round, you know, if I'm in the first round, I'm taking the player with the highest upside, with the highest potential in terms of, you know, will I wish I had this player if I don't draft him? So for my rankings, you know, personally, I have Kirby Dak really, really high because I just think that the there are negatives to his game, but the positives that he brings are so, so rare and so positive, you know big you know big guy with a lot of skill i've seen him skate really well he had a really bad stretch this year but outside of that stretch one of the best players in the whl so you know it's why i like jack hughes over capo caco at number one because i think that what the potential for hughes to be is someone that everyone is going to wish they had you know he might end up being a very nathan mckinnon-esque you know high octane offensive you know point monster uh, and, and, you know, some of the things might need to go right relative to Kako, who might be more ready now. But I look at, you know, what are you getting today and the rarity of that profile that you could find, you know, that you wouldn't be able to find in the NHL down the road. So that that's kind of how I approach it. Um, 
And I also don't really like the idea of ordering guys like one after the other after the other. I think it misses a lot of nuance and complexity that, you know, certain teams might value differently. And so I think it's all very much on like how you as an organization perceive the the draft and what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with that. Um, from my, you know, less analytical, more in the rink um, way that I that I view the game. Um, what I look for in a player is um, growth, um, the ability to problem solve um, either through game or through the season. Um, and uh, so I would guess I classify that as hockey IQ. Um, and then the other important one is skating. Um, the game is so fast now that you have to be able to keep up both physically and mentally. Um, so a couple of things that I look for obviously are can the player, you know, beat everybody else to the puck? Can the player keep up with, uh, with as line mates or with opponents? Um, and then the other thing too, is you watch somebody like, uh, like Kapanen super, super fast. Although he might not have like the same brain as Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid's able to develop or watch the play develop and, and is super, super smart. Um, he problem solves in an instant and, and just sees the game at such a high level. I think those two skills, if you have those two skills as a, as a hockey player, you're pretty set. Um, you know, you can work on your hands, you can work on, uh, you know, different little nuances to your game, uh, like your shot, even just different nuances to your skating. Um, but if you have like one elite aspect uh, of your skating and you can think the game and see the game at a really like high level. Um, I think there's something to work with there. So Dylan, I'm going to ask you this first, but I'm going to come back to something that will said, because I think um, it, it's a good lead into a question that I wanted to ask. You know, I, I also agree with the idea of, of what Will was talking about before with sometimes it kind of seems almost counterproductive to be like, we, you know, even though the draft obviously goes in an order, it goes in a linear order. Um, you know, rather than be like, oh, this this guy's the seventh player or whatever, um, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, I know it's what Corey Promen does with like his tears. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, like, that's always kind of made sense to me, uh, especially like it seems like this year uh, as compared to last year. If you look through like, you know, I pulled up, you know, the future consideration like I have the I have the future considerations guide. You know, I look through like the top 10 you guys have. And then I look at like, um, like Craig Button had a top 10, like a mock draft the other day. Now, obviously a ranking list is going to be different than a draft. Um, especially if you're really focused on trying to figure out, you know, like, you know, okay, Edmonton at eight, like, you know, what are their priorities as opposed to who do I think is like the eighth best player? And then, you know, you just slot him in for Edmonton. Um, you know, if you look at all the different lists, you know, from the major people and companies, um, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's not that many, uh, like outside the top two. I mean, that's pretty much it. Other than that, like, you know, you have, you know, one, one list has a guy at like 10 and then another list has him at like four. Um, and so because of that, so, so basically we have, you know, pretty, everybody seems to pretty much agree, you know, you got Hughes and Kako as like that top tier, like they're, unless something insane happens, they're going to be the first two off the board. So my question for, for both of you guys, and I'll go to Dylan first, is what do you think the next tier is? Because I've seen a lot of people kind of have a lot of different opinions, you know, so what group of people would you put in that next group? Uh, yeah, obviously the draft 
kind of starts at number three there. Um, and then I think it would go all the way until maybe about 10, maybe. Um, but like, like Will was saying, it's, it's, it's very hard to um, rank guys, and it is much better to have like a tiered system of groups of players. Um, but this is one of the most divisive drafts I've seen um, with you know different, uh, different outlets and even different scouts um, at Future Considerations having widely different lists and you know us having to argue for days over where to put a guy and, and where, uh, what ranking we think he deserves or what tier we think he belongs in. Um, but I would say three to, three to 10 is probably the next group. And then 10 to 15 is another group, and then 15 to, to 20, and then 20 to the end of the first, and then it kind of just goes crazy from there. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a lot, yes. of, there's a yes. lot of different players um, in a lot of different orders across every single scout's um, draft list, uh, at least from a future considerations perspective. Um We've had we've had guys that say that um, you know there's a player like I'm just trying to pick a guy off the top of my head um, like right now we have Bobby Brink at 37. In my opinion, I think he's a first rounder, but you know we get into some arguments with our U.S. scouts and then um, they they went out because they've seen him a little bit more. So I think. This draft is one of those drafts where the teams that go into the draft, they have to really trust the scout in that region who has seen that player um, or, or their, their analysts um, who are obviously like helping rank these players as well. Um, they have to really trust those people that they know what they're talking about and come up with those tiers. Um, because, this, like I said, this is one of those drafts where Every single team is going to have a completely different list than the next one, um, and they're all going to think that they're the smartest people in the room, thinking that they got a steal. Sorry, does that answer the question? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was, I, I was, I was waiting for Will to go, and I wasn't sure if oh, I should jump in. No, okay. no, no. It's fine. Oh, it's fine. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I agree mostly with that. I, th- I, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm a little more open with the the order in which I'm putting the guys in this tier, like in this in this first round especially. I think that what's really interesting and the reason why it's so divisive is, you know, you look at the NHL even two years ago and and the NHL this past season, and it is almost like from my eyes, an ex- like a different league almost. Like it the level of play uh, from you know all positions has just really taken off, I think. I, I and especially with the youth. Uh, one thing that, I mean, I made a, uh, in a, one of my live streams earlier this year, I, I went through some potential reasons as to why or what has changed in the NHL that, that has boosted, uh, so much of this offense and there's all this goal scoring and it's like a historically high level of scoring. And really it boils from what I could find really only boiled down to teams are playing more defensemen who can contribute offensively. Now they're viewing, it seems like systems are viewing game are viewing the game as like, all five guys on the ice need to be able to play offense. Like you can't just let your defenseman get away with being good defensively and then just making a first pass out of the defensive zone. So, you know, the amount of scoring coming out of defensemen has gone up 
far more than most other categories. And I mean, other categories are up too, but I feel like that kind of was the water level raising every boat in the ocean. Like it, it was, you know, the, that, that all five guys on the ice are contributing. So I think in this year's draft, people are, are looking at, you know, um, different types of players and how they'll fit into a system in this new sort of paradigm that we're in where, you know, yeah, you need a lot of speed and you need a lot of skill and you need to be very, very creative at very high speeds. And, you know, it makes it really hard to make the league, but these young guys are, are extremely talented. I mean, they just get better every year. I mean, Jack Hughes is breaking scoring records. The U S national team is one of the best junior teams I've ever watched. Uh, you know, and it just has gone up incredibly quickly. And so for me in this draft, I see it much more, even keel i mean once especially once you get past the second overall pick you know my my people are kind of putting bowen byram and alex turcott three four and in, in one or one order or the other and yeah i i think that's how it's gonna go but i don't see, i i could see a situation i mean last year we saw yesperi kotkinyemi and, and brady kachuk go three four and we're sitting here going okay like that's fine and dandy. Like, what if someone wants to take, uh, you know, a Trevor Zegras at, at three or a, a Cole Caulfield at three for, for crying out loud? You know, who knows? I mean, I think Chicago is going to be doing the Turcotte thing. I, I think it's just too good of a fit. But for me, about three to 12 kind of separates that, that, that group. And then from basically 13 to the end of the first round, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. You know, even guys like, you know, my top three past 12 is New Hook, York, and Bobby Brink. I'm a huge Bobby Brink fan. I've watched tons of them. Uh, I I think that he's one of these guys where if you just fix the one thing that's wrong with him, everything else is going to come a huge ways because of just, you know, it's that one thing. His skating is not good, but you know, you come from last season where he was to this year, the progression has been insane. So I would think that, you know, and with the way he plays the game, I'm not super afraid of his compete level. I think he competes really, really hard. It's just that that speed isn't there. So if that can catch up, then you might have a really, really special player. Um, So I kind of value that really highly, but from there until the end of the first round, I, I could see it going in countless ways, depending on what your team wants. Last year, we saw teams looking at, at centers and, they just kept drafting center after center after center. You know, Jay O'Brien was a first round pick, you know, it just completely goes all over the place. And this year, I think we could see the same thing. I mean, once you get past to me, 28, I have a tier here of guys from 28 to 60 or 29 to 64, where I'm just like, I don't know what order these guys are going to go in. Like is Adam Beckman going to be a first round pick because he's a center who shows a lot of nice flashes in both ends. And, you know, he might be a little undersized, but you know, you could make the case there, you know, Pavel Dorofiev could just as easily go 28th as he could go 68th. I mean, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be very weird. And I think that's because there's so many different ways to play the game now that you can get away with, with, especially if you can play at a high speed, that it'll be really interesting how this shakes out. There's all kinds of different players that are all over the place because I think guys, teams are valuing things a little bit differently now because of how the game has changed recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, as you were, as you were talking, it, it reminded me of um, <clears throat> a, a player that I, I, I asked you, you about when I was writing the article, um, you know, Philip Broberg, who for a long time seemed to be like in the twenties or the teens. And then now in some of these latest mock drafts, like Craig button and, and Corey Promen's latest mock draft, you know, they have him top 10. Uh, and, you know, from, from you know, from the you know, obviously, I didn't do as much 
you know, I, I haven't seen him play nearly as much as, as you guys have. Um, but, you know, just watching some tape on him and talking to some people, um, you know, I mean, I can easily see a player or a team taking him in the top 10. Uh, but then I can also see him fall, you know, not going to the top 10 because there's, you know, like you said, there's all these other players that seem to have a, you know, really good potential. And I think it's going to be interesting. Um, all right. So we'll be, we're going to be come back in just a second um, for our listeners who've been been with us for a while. Um, our podcast and all the SB Nation podcasts are going to be switching or are switching to a new platform. And one of those things is uh, that we are going to have uh, two ad breaks in our show. And so this is the first first episode we're doing. So we're trying to, to space them out uh, evenly, hopefully. Um, so uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to our draft extravaganza palooza. I think that's what well, I think that's what I'm going to call it now. Sounds um, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, like added shell on the end. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, Draft uh, draft extravaganza palooza cella. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2019 YOLO. Please like and subscribe. Um, I, think that's, I think that's what that is. Uh, so, uh, uh, first of all, I, there was one thing, uh, just before the break that I really liked that, uh, that you referred to as Chicago doing the Turcotte thing. <laughs> I think every trade or every draft should be referred in that manner. Oh, it looks like the Oilers are going to do the Kessel thing and <laughs> it's, it should never be explained. Just, just, it's basically the new hockey, yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, yeah. And they went and did the. The Jordan Stahl thing, and then now they're in the cup final. So there you go. I'll take um, that to heart. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. You got it. So, <laughs> perfect. So um, in terms of uh, – I, I wanted to ask kind of like an, an outs, a little bit of an outside-the-box question in terms of you know how, how the draft is actually ma- maintained here. Um, it, it, in terms of how the draft – usually now will dictate a team's timeline in terms of how good they are. Do you guys think that there's just this, I I guess I'm wondering, do you guys still like the draft? (laughs) Do we like it in its current form? Or do you think there's a, like a a more fun or or a more interesting way? Because I think for most of the time, at least when I talk to people about like draft stuff and then, you know, the, the inevitable conclusion I keep arriving at is, I really get excited about the draft, but then depending upon where you pick, like, you know, in the last couple of years, yes, the Wings have had higher than normal uh, position given their uh, absolute ridiculous runs for half or quarter of a century. But, you know, now with where they've had, where they were drafting for forever, I was like, you know, gosh, like I can sort of get excited, but I'm not going to see these guys for like two or three years. And, and I guess I'm just wondering, you know, I, I, I would love to be more excited about the draft if there was this part where it could always delay me in remembering I'm not I'm not going to see this guy for like two years. So like in terms of how it's set up, do you guys like where it's at? Do you have any weird ideas that would either make it uh, more competitive or you think more teams would get, you know, yes, at the end of the day, everybody's got their, you know, the teams are tanking for for the for the you know I, I, what what we would do to to incentivize teams to continue to play well, but then still get draft picks. So you know what what are your thoughts in 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 in, in our current state of things? Um, well, for me personally, I I love the draft. Um, it's kind of you know it's the it's the main thing that I do, right? So it's uh it's it's the thing that I get most excited for and. 
Well, that's very good. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very happy about that because the last thing I want you to do is answer that question. And be like, I, I hate this. <laughs> no, but I like. I know a lot of people don't see the players for a few years in the NHL, um, but one of the examples that I that I often uh, cite is Robert Thomas, um, who he is a player that I watched really heavily. I, I used to live in London and. And he was part of the London Knights uh, while I was there during his draft year. And I got to interview him and, and chat with him. So, and now I'm seeing him play uh, for a Stanley Cup. And it's uh, that's one of those things where I've, I've watched him in the OHL for a number of, number of years. And uh, finally, like it's like watching your kid kind of get to get to the final. Um, so that part is very cool. Um, I think one thing that is out there that I've heard other people say, I think maybe Jeff Merrick has mentioned this a few times, Um is to make the lottery more interesting rather than just like, you know, worst team gets the best chance is the, uh, it's almost like the, a, a tournament in the season. So, um, the play, the team with the most points after they're out of playoff contention gets the best chance or the, the first overall pick. Yes. The, uh, the gold plan, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think the idea is so fantastic because it will make teams, you know, try after the trade deadline. It might make the trade deadline worse, to yeah. be honest, because teams will like <laughs> their players. Yeah. Um, but it might make it more exciting for teams that you know they want that first overall pick, but you also don't want to pay good money to go watch your team and cheer them on to lose. Yeah. Um, that that that's kind of a, a letdown. So it might make it more exciting for them to go to games um, and cheer on their team to win to get the first overall pick. Um, now you have to be really bad for the first part of the season, but um, I think that would help make the season more exciting. I don't really know how to make the draft uh, like draft day more exciting. Um, you know, unless you like do some something crazy like oh no, like all of a sudden you know teams have to switch picks because. Of, <laughs> somebody slipped on a banana peel that day or something, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> or, like have GMs come out and play Mario Kart or something. It's like, uh, like all of a sudden, I don't I, know where like Alton Brown comes out. He's like, it's the chairman's culinary curveball. And you're I like, would, Oh no. I would watch that. <laughs> oh, I would yeah. watch that in a heartbeat. Oh I'm my God. Going to watch, I'm going to do, I'm making that happen. When I'm commissioner <laughs> of the national hockey league, yeah. I'm going to do that. I want to see Chaka and Dubas play Mario Kart on, uh, on in Vancouver. Oh, you know they've talked about it at some point. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, just real quick before we get to Will, uh, um, I was telling Jay that uh, you know when I saw John Wick three, they had the actor that plays the the chairman in Iron Chef America. He he had a he has a pretty you know I'm not going to spoil anything, but he has a pretty major role in the movie. Um, and I I, you know, I was telling him I was like I, I like. I, I kept thinking, like, oh, my God, like, I, I kept hearing all, like, these Iron Chef things in my head. And I was like, I'm probably the only one in the theater that's thinking this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the other thing, real quick, again, and, and we'll, we'll get to, you know, Will, uh, Will's answer for this. Um, uh, Dylan, I can help out here real quick because I can sell your, uh, you know, I can sell Jay on the gold plan really quickly. Jay, do you know who would have won the first overall pick if, if the gold plan was in effect this year? From, from this year? This year. Uh, um, I mean, it, does it does it seem like a good answer for the team that I that I <laughs> like the most right now? Yes, yeah, does, does that start, seem like a good answer? It starts with a D and it ends with a Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Vipers. Good. Exactly. Good. Uh, yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will.
will say though, uh, just and uh, Jacob playing Mario Kart. I want Emmerich calling that game. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, True. Blue turtle shell. Drive. Yeah. He soccers <laughs> around the corner. Bill wiped yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Mystery box. Star. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. So, so, so Will, what do you? Oh, sorry. Tell us what uh, plumbing school Mario went to. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Talking Eddie. Mar- Mario. Mario Luigi. Famous Luigi brothers. Oh geez, I'll, I'll write that later. We'll we'll do that in the yeah. show. We're we're, yeah. we're stopping important draft talk from happening, but we'll we'll come back to it. It's like uh, I have a good one for this. It'll be great. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, I'll 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 take yeah. over from here because that ended interestingly. All right. Well, uh, so uh, look, I think that a core issue with the NHL is that the people who assemble teams are extremely conservative by nature, right? Like they, they don't like trading draft picks. They don't like trading period. Uh, you know, you look at the NBA and it's a, it's a gong show constantly. Just guys are flying around all over the place. Rookies are only really signed for, I think, I don't really know how it works, but like just a few years, like there's all, none of these RFA rights really in the same way they throw offer sheets around all over the place. You know, they just want to build the best team right now. Like it's a, it's a crazy high level of competition in terms of swapping players and, and making moves to make your team better. So I think no matter what you try, the NHL is going to NHL general managers are probably going to find a way to make it boring. Um, I think that one of the things to go back to what Jeff Merrick was saying, you know, I don't really like the idea of making bad hockey teams like compete for the first overall pick. Like it's cool. And I bet that the players would enjoy it. Um, I just feel as though, you know, that also implies that teams might be incentivized to tank right off the bat and be garbage. And then when they're eliminated from the playoffs, as soon as possible, they, you know, like if they know they're not going to make the playoffs, why would you, you know, bother in the first part and then, you know, hit a, hit another gear, I guess you could say, once you're eliminated from the playoffs and then you almost play like a second type of regular season. I mean, if I was a team that knew it was going to be bad going into a season and knew I was rebuilding, that's probably my approach is to, you know, not, you know, structure things such that I probably get eliminated a little bit sooner, even if it means, you know, leaving my young guys in the AHL, even if they're ready to go. I think what I would do that would be kind of interesting and the NBA kind of tinkered with this this year, I would expand the lottery to either all 31 teams after the season is over or every single and what you could do is make every single pick lottery pick so you know bill daly stands up there with the 31st overall pick it could be extremely unlikely but it could be the team that has the best odds so you really just do not want to tank basically you know anyone could be picking first overall anyone could be picking 15th overall uh just just make it so that it's complete chaos because that way there's really no way to be good at it you obviously give good odds to the teams that are the worst because you don't want bad teams to stay bad but i don't think you can make it a free market enterprise where teams just sign whatever they like wherever they like i'm interested also in the idea of allocating like how the um how major league baseball does it with their international free agents where what you do is you know let i would say that the nhl could and their scouts could create like an elite pool of players and of that pool you as a team you know every team has the same amount of money to start and you can swap that money around to sign a free agent and that's like their like almost like a sub cap hit 
where you can use that money to sign whoever you want. So if you have $10 million allocated and you want Jack Hughes only, you could only sign Jack Hughes from that pool for $10 million per season. He gets paid right away and he's a part of your team. And, you know, you could have some cap rules in place to do that. But like, I feel like that would be the way to go if I was going to do a free market kind of option. Uh, I just think that, opening the lottery up to disincentivize tanking even more would help. I mean, this year I couldn't tell you, you know, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't, it didn't feel as though this season there were very many teams that were just straight tanking. Uh, and, and look at what happened in the lottery. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks almost made the playoffs uh, and, and ended up with the third overall pick. I think no matter what people are going to be upset. I mean, that with all the rule changes people talk about and all the everything, like how they would change the draft and all that, people are going to be upset somehow and there's going to be some instance that that exposes the weakness of a rule set like there's always going to be something that pops up uh where it's going to piss off a fan base and the league's going to try to fix it and end up making things even more complicated um so i think that you kind of have to walk that tightrope uh so when it comes to the draft i mean and making the broadcast more exciting you know that's a broadcasting issue right like the nfl draft is always a lot of fun the NBA draft is always a lot of fun to watch. And I think the NHL draft is, is pretty good. But by nature, I think hockey is just very conservative. And I think that's something that culturally kind of needs yeah. to shift. Um, so so a couple things, a, a couple little follow-ups before I get to uh, a, a question that came from our reader, uh, from one of our readers, um, thus listeners, is uh, first of all, uh, Will, I think that uh, you have actually nailed the NHL's next marketing slogan, which is everyone's going to be angry. Uh, I mean, because they're, they're going to go for a truth and advertising campaign this year. The NHL, you're going to be pissed about something. Just wait and yeah, it just wait to like see it. what it is. Will it be officiating? Will it be rules? Who knows? We'll let you know. Um, and the other, uh, the other thing is, oh my god, I totally forgot. While you yeah. remember, I just want to say the idea that teams like what Will was saying about like. Oh, like they'll just kind of lie and wait and just wait for like the, the deadline to pass and then all of a sudden they're good. Just think of how many how many times people would be just be able to justifiably use the Undertaker waking up gift. <laughs> that that'd be great. That's that it's literally like half the league gets to tweet out that gift and it actually yeah. makes sense. Just 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 the second you hear the bells ring, you're like, all right, and now the season <laughs> begins. Oh yeah, again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember what it was. So um, obviously, on this, you know, during this interview, just like uh, you know, whose lines anyway, we were obviously keeping points. Uh, and and I, I just wanted to let you you guys know that you, you you know you both definitely got a lot of points for your answers, but you did lose some points since neither one of you said the word gritty, which I think is, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> I can tell they're know, very disappointed by that. Very we, we are a very pro gritty podcast. Um, uh, we, we, we've talked often about our journey from uh, abject terror to uh, ridicule to complete acceptance uh, and and uh, evangelical. Uh, uh, what word am I looking for? Evangelism. Yeah, evangelism. Yeah, I, I was yeah. Yeah, exactly. Evangelism. Yeah, we are we are uh, ordained monks in uh, yeah. gritology. So mm. that's uh... Uh, our, our, our reader question, our listener question comes from uh, Mike Lon, and he has two questions, but one of them we already talked about. And so the other one is something that I think is interesting, because obviously with Detroit picking so high um, for the second year in a row, I've been very interested in the, you know, the six overall pick. But 
Um, so his question is, is there any projected third plus, so like third round or later, prospects that are really boom bust? I think that's a pretty interesting question. So, uh, Dylan, I'm going to go to you first. Sure. Uh, boom bust, uh, third and beyond picks. Um, guys like uh, Kepin, Constantino, Porco, um, and, uh, and uh, Graham Clark all come to mind. Um, I think they're all kind of boom bust. Constantino started the year with Niagara Ice Dogs and then got traded to Kingston. He was kind of a man on an island there. Um, so he wasn't, uh, he wasn't quite as good, but he's a, he's a, I would call him a, like a, a speedy, good puck transitioning defender. A um, little bit on the smaller side and not super great in his own zone. Um, but his hands are pretty crazy. Um, he sometimes mo- uh, stick handles himself into corners. Um, and he really does need somebody, you know, with him to be able to pass to, uh, which is why, you know, when he went to Kingston, his stats kind of uh, dwindled. I would have really liked to see him on that monster uh, Niagara team, but uh, I think he could be a good boom bust D pick. Um, Graham Clark is another one uh, later in the uh, later in the uh, draft that could be a good uh, offensive um, uh, selection. He's Got a really, really good shot. Um, he's got some okay skating. Um, I would say that he needs to work on his explosiveness. Um, he needs to pay attention a little bit more. He gets uh, lost behind the play a little bit sometimes. Um, but if he fixes a few of those things, I think that there's a pretty good player there um, that that could you know, really make uh, a fourth-round pick look really good. Yeah, I would agree with most of those. I I, I like I like Billy Constantino a lot. Uh, I've seen him play a few times. Uh, I would agree that there's a bit of a boom bust there. But before he got traded, he ha- he was having a really really good year. And when I watched him in Kingston, you know, you're right. Man on an island absolutely rings true. I think he just, you know, he looked really good when he had the puck and when he was making plays himself but then things would just collapse and there's really only so much he could have done so it'll be interesting as Kingston gets better like once Shane Wright joins that team and some of the other guys they've drafted it's going to be very very interesting to see how they do uh it's going to be so good watching Shane yeah play yeah it's going to be hilarious that team will not be very bad for too long um (laughs) In terms of my sort of boom bust guys, you know, you mentioned Ethan Kepin as well. He's a guy who I've I've watched a lot of. I really really love him. The honestly, I've been saying this guy's name all year, but every time I've watched him, I've come away impressed. And there's just one thing about him that that knocks him down a lot of pegs. But the biggest boom bust guy for me is Dominic Fensori, uh, five foot seven defenseman, which everyone just kind of writes him off immediately. Uh, I honestly I made a video profiling him in as much detail as I possibly could. Uh, if he works out, he's going to be a fantastic defenseman, uh, at least offensively. I mean, defensively, there his stick work is great. I, I think he plays enough intensity in the defensive zone that it makes it clear that he's aware of his shortcomings with regards to his size. Uh, he, he, he still applies a lot of pressure to guys, but he doesn't put himself out of position. He relies more on just kind of clogging uh, passing zones uh, or passing lanes and, and, you know, he'll pin guys against the boards, but, you know, he'll more kind of dig away with his stick and, and use his size almost to an advantage to kind of get underneath a lot of, of the play that's going on. But once he's in open ice with the puck, I, it's unbelievable. He, to me, he's probably the second best raw skater on that U S national team behind Jack Hughes. Like he's just 
off like a rocket every single time he's in open ice with the puck. Uh, might need to be a little bit more refined in terms of how he manages monitoring a blue line in the offensive zone. He kind of floats around and, and goes deep into the neutral zone a little bit too much. Just kind of looks like he's kind of playing around. Uh, I think that's something that will need to be refined and coached out of him. But when you look at his analytics and how he skates, he's really fantastic to watch. Uh, on top of him, I, I you know, boomer bust is kind of hard to, to discern because to me, you know, you always want to swing on, on high upside. I really like someone like Jamison Rees. Uh, I think he has a lot of skill and his overall talent level is just really, really fun. I think he kind of underperformed relative to his, you know, how his eyes presented himself to me. He can kind of get carried away from time to time in terms of, you know, getting caught up in the game and, and playing a little too aggressively and making some bad decisions. And, you know, he's been hurt a little bit, but, you know, I, I like him just purely based on how I see him playing the ice. Uh, and the other one that really stands out to me is is Artemi Knyazev, a defenseman with Shikudemi. Uh, you know, I, I, I really, really like how he skates. Similar to Fensori, you know, more of an offensive guy, but I think a really good offense is also an excellent defense. Um, he's a really aggressive attacking defenseman who, on a team that didn't have a lot of offensive weapons, I think as they add more, you know, they have Hendrix Lapierre, who I loved watching. Um, he'll be available for the draft next year, and Shikudemi will get a year, you know, these guys are all going to be a year older a year better and i think kniezev is going to put up a ton of points next season he had a great second half um i love his mobility and he really checks all the boxes for me but again defensively positioning wise not all there so if you know he might be a guy where if you fix the defensive shortcomings does the offense then suffer and to me i think the offense with him is so special that you know it's it's worth taking the risk and trying to turn him into a very aggressive attacking offensive defenseman who can really basically you know help your entire line score a lot of points in the offensive zone oh i love everything about that cuz there's something about points in the offensive zone that i just <laughs> naturally gravitate towards i think towards, it's because so. they are good <laughs> i think it's because you yeah. want them you know, you have, I think you nailed it. I think you nailed. You were you were able to give a name for which I could not myself. Yeah, right. Give, so yeah, like scoring. Yeah. Like production. Yeah. So hey, Jay, cough. Plus, yeah. Winning. Scoring. You want to win? We, we learned a lot of words right. today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although the second one was the at second the one was time, before man. we recorded, so that won't make any sense. But <laughs> at, at the same time, teams go out and draft guys who yeah. don't score. I mean. You know, so is, is scoring important? You know, I mean, you, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, you're right. I think you've you've given you've given uh, form and meaning to to the to the to the ethereal uh, glob that was what I like about uh, good good people playing hockey. So good, good sports. Good sports. Um, so uh, we would like to uh, kind of wind down our discussion here with a uh, obvious question, given Peter's and I, Peter and I's affiliation. Um, we're we're asking you because honestly, Pete and I have asked each other, and I, I don't know if we've really agreed on 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 like on a consensus. So as uh, for those not in the know, uh, the Detroit Red Wings hold the number six pick in this year's draft um, to, to, to Dylan, to Will here. Um, who do you, you know, right now, I think, uh, I think Promen's first mock draft had us taken Zegris. Uh, I've spoken with 
Also, uh, uh, fellow Athletic Detroit contributor Max Boltman about Zegers a little bit. Uh, he was, you know, he basically gave me the rundown of most of the U- U.S. Uh, national development team guys. But, you know, uh, where we're at right now looks, you know, mock draft has Zegers going to us or uh, Vasily. But, you know, we we wanted to get your uh, opinion. So, uh, it, where do you think with what we're projected to take right now makes sense? Do we? Uh, do something, do you think they do something different? Um, please placate us. <laughs> um, I, I'm i a big fan of Zegris. I just love his ability to create plays and um, his vision for the game and, um, yeah, just his overall smarts. He's he's incredibly gifted with the puck. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot about his game, so I think that would be a phenomenal pick. Um, I know Peter and I were talking a little while ago, and, and he's really big on Caulfield, which uh, we have him ranked, uh, I believe, like 13, 12 or 13 right now. Um, and uh, so it might be a bit of a stretch at six to take Caulfield, but at the same time, that whole group between three and, and like Will said before, 12, it's kind of just a jumble in there. And I could see um, Detroit taking Caulfield at six as well. Um, but that's, it's totally up in the air. I would, I would personally take Zegris. Um, I think that uh, his, his skating, his mind for the game, those are the two things that I talked about before is two of the most important things that I, that I uh, look for in a prospect. Not that Caulfield doesn't have that. I just, I, I really love a lot about Zegris's game. He's a center, um, you know, put the two prospects beside each other. Zegris is a little bit bigger um, I don't know if that matters to everybody, but um, but I I prefer it um, if you have two players that are pretty close to being equal, and I think they're pretty close to being equal. Yeah. And j- j- just to be fair to Caulfield, um, uh, sometimes people will be like, he's only five seven, and I I will always counter with, I'm sorry, it's five seven and one quarter inches. <laughs> which is what he measured in at the combine. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. Well, yes, I mean, I am technically correct, which is how we all know is the best kind of correct. Um, Will, okay, so, so kicking over to Will, um, what do you think? What do you think Detroit's going to do at, at six? Or, well, you can answer it however you want. What do you think they will do? What do you think they should do? Or both, however you want to answer it's fine. Well, what do I think they should do? Uh It'll depend on who's available. I mean, you look at their draft for the like they have not drafted a non CHL player in the first round. I'm looking now since 2014, and that was Dylan Larkin. Yeah. So I guess that one worked out. But uh, uh, since 2013, they've drafted in the first round every year, and all but one were were CHL players. So clearly, they view the CHL as very valuable, especially up front, it seems. Uh, I mean, I'm sure their scouting team has turned over a little bit recently. Uh, Steve Eisenman brings a different sort of flavor. Tampa wasn't afraid to kind of be creative and go a little bit off the board, I guess you could say, with some guys who didn't really have up super high in the draft, guys like Alex Volkov in the second round a little while ago uh, come to mind. So it's going to be hard to tell. I mean, but I think there's going to be the chance to draft someone extremely good. I, I, I agree with Dylan. Trevor Zegris would be a good pick at six, super high upside, um, you know, really, really creative. One of the better passers in the game that doesn't go first overall this year. Uh, it's it's really, really fun to watch him. Uh, I think he has a lot of upside. Some things in the defensive zone that I've seen might need to be worked out a little bit, but he's certainly no slouch. Uh, 
know, maybe there's a small chance someone like Bowen Byram slips to six, and that would be an interesting pick with Mike Green already there. You can kind of just put those guys in a room together and be like, okay, teach Bowen how to be an offensive defenseman. And Bowen, <laughs> you know, you go from there. I don't know, but I think he'll be gone by then. Uh, at the same time, Kirby Dak is one of my favorite players in the draft, and I think that at six, he would be a very, very interesting swing. I, I just love, love how he plays. Um, you know, when you look at him versus Dylan Cousins, Cousins has better analytics and his profile looks a lot better and he does a lot of more subtle things in his game that you really like to see. But, you know, Kirby Dak just has a really special skill set. And the idea, you know, I'm thinking about the Detroit Red Wings in three years. Uh, is Dylan Larkin going to be your first line center and who do you want playing behind him? Um you know, if it's going to be, you know, if I'm another team, who do I not want to see on that lineup card going into the season? If I see Kirby Dak and he hits all of the right steps on the way, I'm pretty terrified of that top six, regardless who you put on the wings. You know, Trevor Zegras as well. I don't know. I, I, It's been a while since I watched a lot of the U.S. national team, but I don't think he played a tremendous amount of center during this season. I think in that top six, he was usually on, I believe, Alex Turcotte's wing, but I could be wrong on that. It's been a while. If Detroit decides to go with Vasily Pitkolzin, you know, Steve Eisenman is not afraid to draft Russians. I think Detroit is going to be better sooner than people might think. I think they've drafted really well, uh, and eventually these guys are going to start entering the lineup. And if you want a guy who maybe this year isn't your year in Detroit, but like in 2021, you want to be in the playoffs, you're going to want, you know, Zadina is going to be there. You want Valeno to be there. Rasmussen hopefully, you know, captures something in his game. I wasn't a huge fan of that pick to be to be up front. Uh, but, you know, they're not afraid to go big and put Colson certainly plays very big. Uh, even if he's two years away, he insinuated very strongly that he wants to go straight to the NHL, uh, which I understand. I don't think that at six, that would be the best pick possible. I think there's much more to, to like out of someone like Dak or Zegris. Um, you know, but again, if they went there, I wouldn't be surprised because he is a good hockey player. Uh, but if I had my way, you're, I would probably go with Kirby Dak, and if Kirby Dak is gone at six, Trevor Zegers is probably my my number two. Well, awesome. So, th- so there you got it. Uh, well, oh my God, there you got it. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> there, there you got it. There you got it. I hope you leave that in. Please leave that in. That's just that okay. is so on brand of us. <laughs> All right, I will. Fine. All right. I, I will say I really would like to. I think you actually changed my mind because I like. I think I like Dak more now because uh, the inevitable mishap of people saying his name Doc, and then that way whenever he does something good in the arena, you can just play Michael J. Fox screaming Doc. Uh, <laughs> you know that, that, that could be fun. You could but do that I, anyway. Exactly. Just do it. Yeah. 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 I would, uh, just yeah. No. No real application necessary. Yeah. You just do yeah. It, but... You're not the boss of me. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, what I meant to say before is there you have it, listeners. Um, so so we got some obviously some tremendous insight uh, from um, from Will and from Dylan. Um, just uh, before we let you guys go, uh, we want to make sure that uh, people know where to find you. Um, so Dylan is uh, it's it, it's really easy. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it before Jay can say it. Um, it's it's another episode with uh, with easy Twitter handles to find because um, Dylan Galloway his name is on Twitter is at Dylan Galloway and that is obviously 
you know, dynamite. There's an underscore in there dynamite. At the end. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that. I, I totally yeah. forgot about that. I, I remember that from last time now. So, um, yeah, so Dylan Galloway, and there's an underscore at the end. Uh, and then Will, you can find him at Scouching, S-C-O-U-C-H-I-N-G. Um, so, again, easy Twitter handles to find. Um, so give them a follow. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they both have some things that you can get. Uh, you know, Dylan is part of uh, – he's a head scout for Eastern Canada for future considerations. And they have their draft guide, which is out now. You can buy it. And, uh, Will, if you go on his Twitter, you'll see a link to his Patreon. Uh, and you can get a lot of cool stuff there. And you can sign up to support. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it was a lovely, lovely time. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Okay, and so when we come back, we are going to have another interview uh, with our Winging It in Motown's uh, very own uh, Dr. Dangles, a, our, our prospect expert for the site. Um, and like I said, we, we had hoped to have all three of them together, uh, but due to time, you know, time, uh, timing issues, we weren't able to do that. But after we come back from our, our second ad, uh, we will have that interview for you. And we're back. So coming back from that uh, that last ad break, we have uh, another guest joining us, right? Because we had uh, you know the interview before uh, uh, with Will and with Dylan, and our like I like I said prior, our original plan was to have our next guest on at the same time, but unfortunately, you know, it's it's difficult to get everybody's schedule schedules to line up. Um, so I. Uh, Without further ado, um, here is our next guest. If you're a fan of Winging in Motown, you've read a lot of his prospect uh, reporting for us. Uh, it's always really good, always very detailed. Uh, so we have uh, Dr. Dangles uh, joining us. So, Dr. D, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, by the way, congratulations on 50 episodes. Yeah, thank you so oh, much. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. Oh, that's so nice. It's awesome. I. Uh, when we started off, I mean, I was just hoping that we could, you know, I was like amazed I could do one. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, all this time later, it's really cool. Um, so so real quick, let's just jump right into it. We're going to do, um, uh, obviously, we'll talk about a lot of specific stuff. Uh, but first, um, actually, I, I saw that you had written, uh, kind of written this answer in a comment today. Uh, or, or today or yesterday, um, but for people that haven't read that comment, um, you know, if you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of how you got into doing this, uh, you know, prospect analysis, um, you know, you, you know, what's your background, you know, like, like, you know, a lot of our readers know some of this stuff, but, you know, you know, kind of the basic gist, and then we'll get into some specific questions. So as a bit of background, I've always kind of had a bit of an interest in prospects, even, you know, going back, I think. Uh, around the start of this decade, I've always, you know, tried to track uh, the draft as it comes around every single year. But, you know, for the most part, it was just very, very surface level stuff. I would just read up on prospects immediately prior to it. And, uh, uh, you know, outside of that, I was also just interested in, you know, watching, tracking the world juniors. So that was really the extent of it. And then, Something happened back in 2014. We picked up a young <laughs> dum, dum, dum. we picked up a young <laughs> stud by the name of Dylan Larkin. And you know, at first I didn't know anything about this kid. So I looked him up and I was just like, okay, his you know, his numbers don't seem to pop out at me too much. Uh, what do they see in him? 
So, you know, I gave it a little bit. I waited until uh, the next season came around, and I started, you know, whenever I could. We don't get, you know, the streams of the games here, so I would uh, have to find, you know, whatever I could from him, and turns out that that was a very good pick. And <laughs> as a result of that, uh, you know... I started becoming very interested in the topic. So as of that point, you know, I started tracking some of the more high-profile uh, 2015 prospects. But again, because I think it was because still the Wings were very competitive, I didn't put as much, you know, focus and effort on it. And that continued for maybe another uh, season after that. Then... Things really took a turn for the bad with the wings around 2017. And I was just left sitting there like, well, what do I do with my time? The wings are basically almost unwatchable right now. Do I just want to completely get out of hockey? (laughs) I decided, you know what? I'm not going to spend time navel-gazing and being miserable that the team is bad. I'm going to just start focusing my energy on the up-and-coming players. And as a result of that, it's given me a new positive type of attitude. So even when, you know, they're in the middle of a game and let's say they're trailing uh, with two minutes left, if Jeff Blaschel puts Luke Glendening on the, the ice, I'm like, you do you, Jeff. You do you. <laughs> anything, anything to help us get Alex Lafreniere at this point. <laughs> <laughs> now, that being said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> being being you know in grad school, it it doesn't always lend itself very easily to doing these types of things. So sometimes I have a lot of time on my hands uh, and energy to be able to do this. Other times, like last season and uh, to an extent you know this season as well where i'm just up to my neck and trying to figure things out right now uh i haven't had as much unfortunately uh, as much energy to expend on it mm-hmm. but you know it's something that i really that i have a talent for it and it's something i definitely love pursuing now and i'm glad it's i'm glad to, i'm really surprised uh just how much it took off uh, at winging in Mo time. When I first started off, I had no idea that I would actually get this much traction. Well, we're we're we're, we're very glad that the traction has happened. Yeah. There's there's that's it's a phenomenal feeling. I feel like the only thing I can say the same about is when I figure out how to do a Photoshop template in less than 12 hours. So, you know, to yeah. to, to each our own. I real I again, I I enjoy reading your stuff. I I admittedly have not been as you know, uh, when it comes to prospects, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit in the previous part of our episode here, is that it's like a 20-hour period where I'm like, draft, baby, yes! Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then once it's done, this crippling realization snap back to reality happens where it's like, Okay, well, this guy's gonna go back to his current league for another year. They'll, you know, they'll sign him to his ELC, and then he'll move up a couple of different groups. Either he comes to Grand Rapids, or he just moves up in wh- whichever league or age group. You hear about him a bit. You hope that you see him, and then sometimes it doesn't work out. And then the length of time that that 
takes to take place, I just forget. <laughs> so the, so they just come up. Like I remember this happening with Marty Furk, and I was like, all right, Marty Furk. All right, I'm going to get my Furky-ass shirt ready. I'm going to have all this stuff. And then it was just like nothing. And then he's finally up, and I'm like, oh, I remember being like kind of excited about you, but you're not really doing anything. This sucks. <laughs> so... If, <laughs> So you know, again, your 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 coverage and uh, your 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 um, materials have have really helped me not be so uh, uh, distant when it comes to draft time of year. Because you know, again, with with patience and wisdom, you know, you certainly understand things more. So you know, just from one person who has been reading your your work has been very valuable and. Um, you know, Pete, I, 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 I struggle with the amount of times that I've had to look up to the heavens and be like, okay, it'd be really nice if this was somebody that we would see on a regular basis. You know, it, it's not every year is going to have a McDavid, right? Or at least a McDavid at the start. Like, you, you could have somebody develop into one. But it's nice to keep tabs on everybody. And There are not um, too many players that you could honestly say would – develop over the course of the season into a McDavid, but let's be honest. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So those are the, again, there's that crippling, so just snap back to reality. Yeah. Oh, there goes gravity. Right. So yeah, exactly. It's like that. That's, that's not McDavid. That's two Edmonton Oilers. Number one draft pick standing <laughs> on their shoulders in a coat. <laughs> <laughs> like in, uh, what's what's that show? Bojack Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I'm always interested in, um, you know, because basically the way that I experience the the draft season is, um, you know, I I definitely don't uh, I I don't put in the amount of time even close to the amount of time, uh, you know, that somebody like you does, or obviously, you know, somebody who's uh, like a prospect writer, uh, you know, professionally, um, you know, I, I don't have, you know, put in anywhere close to that amount of time. Uh, but once, you know, once uh, the draft season starts rolling around, usually about like mid-May, I start to you know, pay more attention. And so, you know, I'll go through, obviously I'll read, you know, the the, the prospect articles at our site. Um, I'll, you know, go around and, be, you know, basically read everything I can. I always get uh, the future considerations uh, guide. I'm always reading, you know, pretty much everything I can get my hands on uh, to kind of come up with an idea uh, of, you know, the type of players that I, I'm kind of looking for, the you know, in, in, in my case, the Red Wings to be to be looking at at number six. Now, one of the things that I'm always interested in is obviously you have, uh, you know, prospect writers will come out with sometimes they'll come out with like a list of, of rankings. And this is one of the things that Will brought up last uh, in, in the last interview about how, you know, he's not a big fan of you know, okay, one, two, three, four, five. He, it's kind of more like, well, there's this group of players, and then, you know, this is the next tier down, and they're all, you know, comparable in that they all have strengths and weaknesses, and, you know, obviously a team might go for this or might go for that, um, as opposed to it's like, oh, well, you picked that guy four, and he's number seven. You know, it's like, it's not that, you know, it's obviously that's not how it really works. Yeah. Then, yeah. No, I'm inclined yeah. to agree yeah. with you there. Then, yeah. then you got the mock drafts. Which obviously are, you know, if they're good, they're looking at, okay, you know, this team is picking at this slot and I'm not just going to pick, 
the seventh best player, I think. It's going to be who do I think that team's going to pick based on the rest of the picks that I, I you know, came up with. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to – I'm finally getting to my question here. Uh I'm pulling a J with a question avalanche as it's rolling down the hill gathering more questions. Um, <laughs> hey, 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 I don't let you up. Hey, let's keep it simple. Uh, Sticks on the ice, kids. Sticks on the ice. So, 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 so how do you recommend that somebody who is, you know, somebody like me or somebody who's like, you know, a reader at our site, a commenter at our site, like, how do you, how do you recommend that they absorb all this information uh, to kind of avoid some of these pitfalls of like, oh, well, this guy has him at 10, this guy has him at 4, so this guy's right and this guy's wrong. Like, like how do you recommend that people kind of absorb all the information out there so they can kind of have the best uh, information to kind of make up their own mind? Well, the first recommendation I give you, <laughs> start very, very early. The first thing that I do when I want to try to get uh, a good – kind of lay of the land when it comes to a talent pool for like a draft class. It's the simplest thing ever. I just go on elite prospects. I find all of the eligible players that they have listed there. That gives me an initial talent pool to zero in on. Then depending on that, I try to find whatever tape is available to them. Obviously this is not always an easy feat and one of the things that was incredibly frustrating over the last uh two seasons was the chl decided to cheap out and crack down on streaming that was like my bread and butter before but now it's made my life a lot more difficult but when it comes to uh the traits that i emphasize when you are trying to come up with your rankings i tend to emphasize very looking at very very specific tool sets do you want a player that has uh, dynamic elements to their game they have great vision do they have do they think very quickly on their feet uh, are they proactive uh, in the way that they read the play and do they have a very good understanding of uh, how the play is going to develop and uh, be able to make a decision uh, that is in line with how they think it's going to develop and end up you know, having a successful impact on the play. Uh, and then there are a lot of other people that you look at the rankings and a lot of their rankings seem to stress using the measuring tape over actually using uh, any type of eye test about how this player uh, what types of uh, tools this player displays uh, that would help them to succeed at the next level. So I try to find the players that I think would have the tools that I'm looking for. They think really quickly. They've got great creativity. They uh, have very strong skating abilities, and they would be able to play the fast-paced transitional game that the NHL is now leaning more towards. And then the players that I don't see as having that dynamic set of skills, I kind of put them in the back burner and maybe I return to them later when I need to cover cover them in more detail. So that's the way I do it. What out of all the, you know, prospect writers and sites out there, um, which one or a couple uh, do you think like if you read something that they write or, you know, obviously you know, if you just look at lists and things, you know, no, no one prospect person is going to agree with another one all the time. There's always going to be differences. But 
you know, on average, which which writer or writers out there do you like their stuff and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I think that, you know, um, you know, that, 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 you know, they seem to be kind of looking at the same things I'm looking at or kind of, you know, interpreting it in the way that I, I see it as well. Well, probably my biggest uh, my biggest influence is hmm. you know, I don't get the athletic. That's probably something that I, I'm considering seriously investing in uh, uh, down the road. But Corey Pronman is is definitely a huge influence for me. Like I'm seeing a lot of his comments about some of the uh, uh, LJO's Bulls for this year. It's like he's able to nail a lot of the things that I have in my notes as well, and a lot of his observations. And, you know, his attention to detail, I, I really do appreciate uh, the work that he puts in. And then when it comes to also developing my uh, my list of my to watch list, Steve Cornianos's uh, draft, the draft analyst site, he always is an invaluable resource because he always uh, is in general, a very good uh, place to get started off if you want to get an idea of uh, of different prospects to watch. Cool. Dr. D, uh, I will take this moment to uh, basically uh, give you, uh, mm. I mean, we're already giving you as much of a soapbox as, <laughs> as much as possible, but the, the one thing that I've um, discovered recently, and, and this actually goes back to maybe Gosh, this is right when the Athletic Detroit started. So they had a uh, a subscriber meetup, and uh, they had a little Q and A. So all the writers are right there, and uh, I had the the good fortune and privilege to be able to ask the entire group about um, you know being where they are and and in their uh, specific disciplines. You know what what's something that they you know usually there's stuff you hear rumors or you know hunches about things and then they pay off so you know i was asking them hey so in your in your things you know what's what's the most interesting thing or you know like the most surprising thing you heard that didn't come to fruition or you know what's you know or or something that you didn't you know you were like oh i'm gonna keep an eye on this and then you actually ended up being right so based on all the, the work that you've done so far is is there a certain player or a certain you know trend that that maybe you like are kind of proud of yourself for like kind of recognizing maybe before everybody else kind of figured it out i'm not so sure about a specific trend but let me put it this way i uh i've actually hit the nail on the head when it comes to a few players that ended up blowing up a few years later like i was one of the very early people who discovered uh elias patterson Oh, I, oh, I, cool. I discovered him back in like 2015, like two years before, uh, before he was even drafted. And I don't know how well known he was in North America at that point, because at that point he was just like, you know, a, a scrawny kid. He had a lot of, you know, talent with the puck. You know, the, it was very obvious that he had, uh, uh, you know, the talent to be drafted, but he was so physically underdeveloped that talking to people over in Sweden who who weren't even sure that he would be in the NHL one day. And <laughs> look at him now. He's <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> an easy favorite for the Calder this year. But, you know, in terms of in terms of trends that I tried to key in on, I can't take credit. Obviously, there's a lot of professional scouts who are probably uh keyed in on these trends far before I ever was, but the 
overall trend towards emphasizing offensive creativity and speed and not worrying so much about uh, measuring a person's size. I think that's the way the NHL is going, and I think those are the most important things to value these days. Yeah, because I think, um, <coughs> obviously, you know, uh, being on our site, I'm sure you've seen, uh, you know, me take out my, my, my sword and shield in defense of, uh, of Caulfield. Um, <laughs> you, know, people like, I, you know, it's too risky to draft a guy 5-7 at, at, at number 6. It's like he scored 72 goals. Like, I mean, don't you think... Don't you think if it's like, I mean, are, are there not big players and juniors? Do they not play physical? Do they, you know, are they just like, oh, we're going to let this guy go, this guy score again? I mean, obviously, you know, there are genuine concerns with a smaller player, but there's a difference between, you know, being like, okay, maybe we need to take this into account and, okay, let's not even consider this guy because of his size. Like, that doesn't really seem to make sense anymore in the NHL, at least. Um, I am a huge Caulfield fan, and he'd probably be, like, I know I made a big case for uh, yeah. Zegris, but Cole Caulfield, if we yeah. get him, I I would be over the absolute <laughs> moon. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I can think of that would be a serious knock on him, and the only reason why I would ever hold a size against him, is during the playoffs, they, they call the game completely sure. different. It's yeah. Very often, you know, clutch and grab, and it, they just get away with so much BS. Yeah. Case in point, <laughs> uh, the playoffs this year. And that's the only thing I think you can really hold against Caulfield. Mm. Yeah, I looked up, um, I remember who, uh, uh, obviously it's, it's, well, not obviously, but it's, it's, uh, the leading scorer on the Blues is like 5'10", I think. Uh, I, I looked it up the other day. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, now, obviously, th- th- there is a there is a difference between five seven and five ten. And I mean, you know, Caulfield has grown a quarter of an inch since the last time he was measured, which I like to keep pointing <laughs> out. Um, but okay, so uh, I think I I don't know if I said this on the podcast last week or last week or um, if I just wrote it in like the mailbag. Um, so for our listeners, um, we are going to have an episode of Wim Radio. I believe not this coming week, like, you know, this drops on this coming Monday. I don't think this week, I think like the week of the draft, uh, we're going to have an episode of Wim Radio where it's going to be entirely devoted to the Red Wings, uh, or at least very, very largely devoted to the Red Wings. Um, But I did want to talk a little Detroit uh, because (laughs) at the very end of our discussion with Dylan and Will, we asked them, you know, who do you see the Red Wings drafting at six? So, um, Obviously, I know this is something you thought a lot about. I know you've you've written about. Um, so I guess tell our listeners, um, you know, kind of the pros and cons of, you know, maybe the handful of players that you see Detroit possibly picking in that slot. All right. Well, <laughs> let's get started in the best case scenario. Let's say Turcotte's gone third, third overall. Then, this is like my dream scenario here. Uh, Doc and Cousins go fourth and fifth. Probably not going to happen. Bowen Byram falls yeah. right in our laps. I feel sorry for my neighbors because I'm in an apartment. I feel sorry for them if that happens because I am probably <laughs> going to make enough noise to cause a fire alarm to go off. 
<laughs> if that happens. Now, the one downside to, I think, Byram is he's good on the defensive side of the puck. I still think he needs a little bit of work. Uh, uh, a, a little bit of work on it. Sometimes his slot management can be a little bit uh, uh, hit or miss, mainly because he's always thinking offense and always trying to, uh, he's always very eager to transition out of the zone. And sometimes that can cause him to relinquish his uh, positioning and, and leave that coverage. But other than that, that the negatives of his game are so far outweighed by the positives of it. The wings would have a certified blue chip defensive prospect for the first time in honestly i could say in my entire life uh, outside of outside of obviously of nicholas lidstrom but he was mm-hmm. drafted i think a few months before i was born oh. <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of funny we get to these moments where we're like oh yeah that gosh remember when we had those you know Wow, it's been a while since we've had something like that. Okay, uh, when was the last time? Oh, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. the freaking yeah. Hall of Fame defense. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. We had for quarter now, of a century. Good lord. I'm not going to say him developing into anything close to Lidstrom would be. You know, that's very, very ambitious. But we would ha- we would have our certified uh, number one defenseman if that were the case. The only other downside would be he's probably going back to the WHL. Uh, next season so that is the pipe dream i am uh basically chalking that up to uh a very very unlikely event if that does happen i'll probably (laughs) turn white as a ghost and uh, probably scream my voice box out Uh, so let's see in the other scenario let's say alex turcott the only other the only real I think downside of that is I think he does, once again, he has that uh, history of injuries that could uh, factor in. We don't know whether that could be an issue that uh, persists into his professional career. Uh, There are good reasons that suggest that it's probably not. He had full recovery from, from his issue, but... Uh, other than that, he's going to be obviously playing college hockey next year. But that should be good for his development. You know, uh, playing with Cole <laughs> Caulfields will certainly help. <laughs> now let's get to... I'm going to start with Dylan Cousins next. This is actually one of the ones that I think the Wings could very well be going down uh, the Dylan Cousins rabbit hole. I'm personally of the opinion... That if Dylan Cousins were a winger, everybody would want him on their team. There would be zero question that he is an excellent fit on, let's say, not just you know top six, but even like a top line winger. He's got such a fantastic shot. He's so good at finding the open space in the offensive zone. His shot off the pass is just absolutely lethal. He's got you know great two-way tools. Uh, great top line speed. Downside with that, I think I alluded to the alluded to this uh, uh, in one of my recent comments was he as good as he is at uh, the goal scoring. There are some inconsistencies with his play, and 
if I'm the Red Wings, I'm looking for someone who can act as that catalyst and can maximize the productivity of not just uh, not just as forwards, but also bring in the defensemen in the process. So I'm definitely looking more for somebody who has high-end playmaking abilities. Now, as much as you know, I'd be happy with Cousins. I think he's, you know, got a great weapon in terms of that shot. But I'm not 100% convinced that he is uh, the guy to do that. Which brings us, I guess you could say, to uh, Kirby Doc next. So Kirby Doc, I love, you know, the physical tools. I love his stick skills. He's got excellent vision. I think he's got a very understated shot as well. When he uses that wrist shot, he gets a lot of mustard on it. It's just the pace at which he plays. The biggest concern with him is keeping his legs moving at all times and getting to the destination he uh, needs to be at with a sense of urgency on a shift-to-shift basis. If he can put those pieces together and do that, he is a legitimate uh, candidate to be a top-six center in the NHL one day. But he did go through a lot of bouts of inconsistency this season. So that would be a huge concern for me if the Red Wings do draft him. And apparently the Red Wings do seem to like him a lot. I've heard a lot of comments, for example, from Chris Draper, who uh, seems to just drool over the guy. That might suggest that. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes, if that comes. Now, as for Trevor Zegras, I already went into pretty... Uh, extensive detail about my opinions on on Zegras, so I think I could be uh, a little bit uh, uh, more brief about it. You're getting a fantastic playmaker. Uh, needs to definitely uh, be more selfish at times and shoot the puck more. And he has right now some issues with discipline. He needs to be able to reel reel his play in and make sure that he's not stepping over the line. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Especially combined with, uh, with Dylan Larkin, who can't seem to stop taking penalties. I mean, that seemed to be, you know, like, like that continued at the world championships. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's weird because in the past it had been um, like, I, I noticed repeatedly that what would happen is it would be like, obviously a penalty is a bad outcome, but you know, I kind of divide penalties into, I mean, I know sometimes people will say like, oh, it's a good penalty in terms of like you prevented a scoring chance or something like that. Like for me, it's kind of like I'm looking at like intention. Uh, somebody like, I don't know, cough, cough, Thomas Vanek, uh, you know, isn't back checking and he ends up tripping a guy because he's not hustling. Like that's obviously <laughs> a bad penalty. It's it's it comes out of a bad intention. You know, he, he should have been skating harder. Um but like a lot of Larkin's penalties were like he's you know trying to go get the puck you know like he's 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 doing the right thing he's just a little bit too excessive about it and he ends up tripping a guy or something like that. Um, so yeah, obviously if there is that concern, you definitely want to make sure that Larkin can fix that too. Uh, otherwise, otherwise we're going to be on the PK like yeah. pretty much the entire game. Yeah, it'd be like throwing gasoline on a fire. So for. Um... For for as far as expectations go here, uh, uh, Professora D, um, <laughs> there was uh, I'm so mad that Turcotte is like almost like 
I, I'm trying to remember what, what what Max Bowman had said. It was just like just like a a, a bigger Dylan Larkin, and like like a bigger but with like better like puck handling skills. And like the more he kept talking, I was like, dude, please shut up, because <laughs> uh, I, I just I don't want to don't get my hopes up like this. So then. Then I got my hopes up, and then now, you know, he's projected to be, you know, obviously taken way earlier than when the Wings could possibly take him. But, you know, and here is is one area that I've long wondered when the Wings were going to, I I often use this analogy, I guess. Uh, If if the Red Wings are main engineering in a Star Trek ship, you know, what are they going to divert all power towards? And... It seems like they're they're angling maybe to try and still replenish much of the offense as well as trying to improve defense. But is that what is the process I think when it comes to goaltending? Because I'm I'm very curious as to you know maybe they're in a different evaluation bracket. Maybe people take, take them because I'm like trying to remember the last time anybody was like, "Yep, number one pick overall, a goaltender," right? So, isn't you know, that flurry? It, it, yeah, it was... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not often. So, so it's basically, Flur- you know, flurry and DiPietro are the ones that have come to mind. Or, or oh, like, and oh, only DiPietro. one of those ended up. Yeah. ended up sticking it I'm out. Pretty sure there's another one I can't think of off the top of my head, or maybe it's just like a really early one. Uh, but I, yeah. the only two number ones I can remember are those two, like the number one overall. Watch Ottawa yeah. pick first overall next year and take Yaroslav <laughs> Askarov. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess what I was curious about is, you know, how does, how, is goaltending just not something that's like a generational thing? I, I guess I'm just curious when the next time, you know, uh, uh, the wings will like, you know, like, like you said, since it's not really like an often thing, but like when it's not an often thing, goaltenders still have to happen. You still have to draft them. You still have to find them. So you know, is 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 the process kind of similar, or is it just completely different to try and figure out whether or not a goalie should be part of your strategy, at least either early on or at all in your in your draft process? So I'll be the first to admit right now, in terms of my strengths and weaknesses of evaluating talent, I'd say my worst area of talent evaluation is is goaltending. I'm just going to tell you that straight up right now. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm trash at, at uh, evaluating goaltending talent. But part of the reason why that is is because it's kind of like projecting a goaltender is kind of like what happens every time a Targaryen is born in Game of Thrones. <laughs> hockey, the hockey gods roll the dice on it. So it's, it's, there's so many, there are so many factors uh, when it comes to when it comes to goaltending, that projecting how they're going to develop is so much more difficult than projecting how someone like Jack Hughes or Capocacco uh, or Rasmus Dahlin are going to develop, and that's part of the reason, I suppose, why some organizations have a lot more difficulty in finding that that top goaltender. Now, with that being said. I am, you know, praying at the altar of Steve Eiserman that Philip Larson uh, ends up panning out for us because that's looking pretty promising right now. 
Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the great. I, I was telling this to uh, another person. I really, really going to need Larson to step up. That way, we can uh, use the grand larceny yeah. hashtag. <laughs> oh man, um, it's it, it's going to be great. I just I, but hmm. the only thing that that we're just waiting on is you know for it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking as as you were talking, it's like. And who has a better story than Spencer the Knight? Um, <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, yeah. Um, Everyone. Everyone has a better story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, go. wait, hold on. I mean, the, the, wait, hold on. The, the person who uh, who died and came back to life? Nope. Nope. The, uh, the person who rose to power despite being a woman at a time in which women, uh, you know, rarely had any power at all. Nope. Unless, like, they married. Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> The one who single-handedly saved humanity. Nope. <laughs> We're gonna go with the guy who was pushed out of a window. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. During during yeah. the most important battle in history, became a crow and flew around a little bit. <laughs> um, anyway, that's, that's what I that's what I do when I find myself challenged by something. Just turn into a crow. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. We're gonna wrap this up in just a second. Um, but I had I had one last question. Uh, kind of like a. I don't want to say lightning round question because it's only really one question. Uh, but one of the things that people are always interested in uh, with draft analysis or, or I guess pre-draft analysis with prospects is the idea of sleepers, you know, getting a, you know, getting a pick in the second or third round or, or, or you know, even late in the first round uh, that ends up being like a top line center or a number one defenseman or something like that. So who are your top candidates for, uh, you know, that you think have the potential to be like the real big sleeper picks in this draft. Okay. <laughs> You're like so cracking your knuckles. I have yeah. I have my notes in front of me right yeah. now. I'm going to be searching for others, but the first one that came right off the top of my head. I uh, discussed him in my preview uh, back in September. Consider me the president of the Nils Hoglander fan club. Ooh. <laughs> Nils Hog- Hoglander, I compare him. He is the honey badger of this draft. He is like five <laughs> foot, five foot nine, but built. I guess you could say he's kind of built like a, a Joe Hicketts. He's he's very stocky and heavy set. Lots of skill to him. Great puck skills. Very very good skating ability. He's able to you know dart and weave out of traffic on a whim but the thing that uh that really sets him apart from other players of his stature is just almost like the suicidal level of fearlessness that he shows he will just rush head first to the boards doesn't care at all how big uh the defender is uh that he's going up against he's just constantly all over the ice constantly on the puck hounding it like a, a starving dog on raw meat. <laughs> uh, if he falls into the second round, he is, he's one of my prime candidates to be quite honest, somebody that I would absolutely mm-hmm. love the, the Red Wings to uh, pick up on I'm trying to think who else would uh, be uh, someone I would consider a sleeper pick. One of the other ones that, I could kind of think of right now. Maybe people disagree with me on this, but I honestly think Jacob Peltier should be uh, ranked a lot higher than he is. It's ridiculous that I think on the most recent one, he was ranked, what, like 27th on uh, North America, 
uh, for the North American rankings. I don't, I don't know. Like if I think that's a really solid second round pick uh, for whoever he falls to, he's going to make a team very, very happy. Um, Jamison Reese is another one that I really like. I think uh, he could maybe a little bit more work on the offensive, like consistency side of things, but uh, uh, you know, outside of his size, he's again, he's puck hungry. He's tenacious. He plays pretty good two-way game and he's got you know excellent uh speed to him so he's like another heart and soul type of player that you can definitely look out for probably in the second round of the draft and then some of the other ones i probably have to uh consult some of my notes over because the thing with it is you know you can only hold so much in memory at a single time i think you know that was one of the things that i mentioned in uh one of my uh my uh, one of my more technical articles that I came out with recently, just how limited you know human memory is. So I always just dedicate all of my observations okay. and notes uh, uh, just you know on paper. Well, that's it's just what it means to be human, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That stuff that we're we're glad to confirm because again, most of your work. Sometimes we wonder: is this a person or is this somebody that's just <laughs> been created by artificial intelligence i mean you, you're probably one of the better ais that peter and i have randomly talked to so um, i've got nlp out the wazoo man. <laughs> perfect um all right uh, uh dr d we have uh, we've reached our uh, our our sad time limit but we did of course want to thank you for uh uh giving us clarity guidance vision uh, but most of all, uh, good insight into uh, this the madness that is the willful harming of ourselves uh, and and the, the NHL draft as it is. So um, again, your your work is uh, very valuable and important, and um, we're we're very glad that you could come on to the show today. And um, again, I'm just I. I kind of want the screen scenario to happen now. Yeah, you know, it, it, I, I would, I would very much so like to hear back from you on, on, on if that does indeed happen. I'm sure Pete and I could maybe do special uh, for sure T-shirt fundraiser to a new place of living <laughs> should the the scream actually get you evicted. So or maybe a new voice <laughs> box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mo- modulators are are actually pretty cheap yeah. nowadays. So, or maybe you could just hook um, me up to one of those computers, like uh, there you talking. go. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that that'll be good. LFC will premiere is a partial generation of talent. That's amazing. Oh man, I now I just want the entire draft to take place via Stephen Hawking's voice box. That'd be great. That'd be amazing. Not only would Bedman go up there with using the Hawking box. All the fans would be using the Hawking box to boo him. That that'd be the best part. <laughs> boo, like boo, 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 boo. We'll, we'll boo, start sounding boo, Alex boo, from Doctor Who. Irrelevant, does, uh, unsatisfactory. Does, boo, boo, boo. Explain, explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, this is what we're, this is what uh, we do. This is how we wrap up our interviews. Just complete avalanche of Doctor yeah. Who quotes. So. Uh, uh, Dr. D, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, for for everybody who is uh, very curious to follow 
and uh, see more of uh, this uh, this uh, assumed human, but probably human, but might be robot person. Uh, you can always follow them at in the How Can We Trust Pete again with the good freaking yeah Twitter handles. <laughs> I, this is this is a this is a streak that is rivaling yeah. the the Detroit Red Wings playoff streak that was. Alive for again most of our lives. It's just I just love how we can just pick people that have yeah. good Twitter handles. So uh, yeah. it's it's uh, we realize yeah. that Hawken might be uh, hard to spell. So uh, you can follow him at i n h a k a n w e t r u s t in Hawken we trust. Of course, a, a what yeah. I assume to be a tribute to the great yeah. Hawken Anders who. Uh, uh, it, it, I would like to think he's the Indiana Jones of scouts. He was able to find the Ark. He was able to find the Sanka, <laughs> the, the Ankara Stones, and uh, the Holy Grail. So, All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great day, man. Yeah, you too. So Jay, that was uh, that 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 was a really great uh, really great draft episode, huh? Yeah, yeah. I am really delighted that we brought enough care and uh and preparation and uh uh the ability to give people just a, exactly what they needed which was just bonkers information about players that will likely decide whether or not their team's successful so yeah that was fun yeah well that's the end of another episode of uh for sure a 200 foot podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Flynn Hockey, which is me. Jay is at the roar underscore 24. The podcast is at 200 foot pod 200 FTPOD. You can go on Facebook and you can like uh, it is facebook.com slash for sure pod F E R S U R E P O D. If you want to get some for sure merchandise, uh, you can do so by going to tinyurl.com slash for shirt F E R S H I R T. Uh, so thanks again for listening, and we'll be back at you in uh, two weeks with episode 52, which will be our two year anniversary episode. So we'll have to plan something special for that. For sure. For sure, 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 for sure,